0: I take responsibility. I take responsibility for everything I've never done so that those who have done those things can continue to be irresponsible until they destroy their lives and then I don't have to worry about them anymore. I take responsibility for every social ill of the last seven centuries committed by anyone who looks vaguely like me by virtue of having a nose and eyes and being a human and doing stuff that humans do to one another but now is somehow my fault because otherwise I'd have to tell you the truth about yourself and then you'd cancel me. I take responsibility for the fact that you're sticking a gun in my stomach and demanding all my cash. Oh, and now you're burning down a building. And I take responsibility for that too. If you'll just take the gun out of my stomach and here's my cash, and please don't kill me. (laughs) I take responsibility for the fact that no matter what I take responsibility for, I'm going to have more money than you. In fact, I'm taking responsibility because it's cheaper than telling the truth and allows me to keep more of the money I have more of than you so I can blow this crappy state and leave you with no ta- <laughs> tax base so you're screwed. I take responsibility for every unfunny racial joke I never told, even though the ones I do tell are hilarious, like the one about an Italian and Asian and a black guy who walk into a bar. But I won't tell that joke, even though it re- really is hilarious. I'll just tell it later when you're not looking. And I take responsibility for that. And mostly, I take responsibility for being a fatuous, virtue-signaling, useless celebrity knucklehead, which is a much better life than yours, by the way, for which I take complete responsibility and then run away before you realize I haven't done a damn thing for you and your life still sucks. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Klavan, and this is The Andrew Klavan Show. I'm the hunky-dunky. Life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo, ship-shaped, topsy the world is a it's a wonderful day, Hurrah, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing, oh, hooray, hooray. oh. All right. I didn't think I was going to get through that with a straight face, but I tried. <laughs> it's really awful. Some some people actually laugh. So you'll laugh. I, I try not to because I think it's fun, but never mind. Uh, anyway, welcome back. I hope you're still subscribing. We need you to subscribe to the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. Otherwise, uh, people will subscribe to Noel's channel. He'll have more subscribers than me. And then that will actually cause a rip in the, uh, space-time continuum. Uh, we'll all be sucked into it and destroyed. You don't want that to happen. We're watching your comments as well. If they're on my personal YouTube channel, we're looking at, here's one from Hudson Dale who says, I am jealous of Spencer Claven. I want the Claven as my dad, uh, actually Hudson, that is a paid position, just a small remuneration and I will happily be your father. That's the way I worked it out with Spencer. Um, is anyone else annoyed at all of these corporations telling us how much they like black people? <laughs> Is that bothering anybody else? I go on Amazon and that's where I shop for books. And usually they have some sort of magic algorithm that tells me what books I might like from the other books I've already bought. And that can be very useful. It actually helps me out. But now they're showing me a lot of books about race that I'm completely uninterested in and I'm never going to read. I'm never going to read those books. I'm not interested in them. Same with Netflix. Suddenly they're promoting a lot of racially themed movies I'm not going to watch. So what's the point? What is the point of that? Well, obviously, it seems to me the point is one, to show us what wonderful people, the zillionaires who run these companies are, and two, and more importantly, to indemnify their companies against civil rights lawsuits by having some meaningless garbage they can point to as proof of their goodwill. This annoys me for many reasons, but one of them is I don't actually think we have a race problem in this country. I think we have a certain amount of hostility toward a specific black underclass that was created by Democrat policies and now contributes an inordinate amount of crime and dysfunction to our society while blaming everyone but themselves. Get rid of the Democrat policies, stop indulging in identity politics, you'll get rid of the underclass. It's not genetic, it's a result of of Democrat policies. So if there's a book about that that Amazon wants to sell me, I'll buy that. But I don't need their propaganda. There's not a book about that because the penalties for saying what I just said, cancellation and loss of profits and loss of sponsors, they're very high and people don't want to pay those penalties. So I have to suffer these companies pushing a dishonest vision of our problems at me instead of just selling me some book I might like, like the collected poems of John Clare, which is something I would actually read. This tells us something. It tells us that conservative over-reliance on capitalism and business these past 40 years was a mistake. I've said it before, but it's true. Capitalism and business cannot alone replace good values, courage, true religion, and truth-telling. These corporations are acting badly out of self-interest and out of capitalistic self-interest instead of honestly acting and telling the truth out of true concern for for our problems. It tells us that the Republican Party has failed. The Republican Party has failed by allowing rule by civil rights lawsuits and regulations to replace the Constitution. Our problems don't stem from race. They stem from bad law, dishonesty and cowardice and bad policy. You know, we're going to talk more about this civil rights law because the Supreme Court just came in with an insane ruling. So we're going to have Jenna Ellis on. Uh, She's just back from having killed uh, Brian Stelter. She's on the run from the police. uh, So we let her hide out here. Uh, Meanwhile, though, we want to talk about Ring. It is more important now than ever that you can watch your home. We're all getting deliveries. We're all having people come into our area. You want to be able to see them, talk to them, make sure who they are. That is why you need Ring. Ring is on a mission to make neighborhoods safer. Their home security products are designed to give you peace of mind around the clock, from video doorbells and security cameras to smart security lighting and alarm systems. Ring has everything you need to make sure your family and belongings are safe and secure anytime anywhere and with the all new Ring Video Doorbell 3 you can keep an even closer eye on things than ever before. And you know you know you can do it if you're traveling, but even if you're home you can see around the perimeter of your house. It's incredibly useful. You can get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit when you go to ring.com/claven. The Welcome Kit includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and the Chime Pro. It's all you need to start building Custom security for your home today. Just go to ring.com slash Claven. That's ring.com slash Claven. Anyone comes to your door wherever you are, you can just say, How do you spell Claven? And if he doesn't know, uh, send him away. And if he does know, also send him away. It's K L A V A N. There was another, what was that? It was a little groan in there. Uh, there was another uh, shooting in Atlanta. Uh, and a a black guy was passed out in his car. It looked like Uh, the police brought him out. They had what looked, what was a totally calm interchange with the guy. Then they put him under arrest and he suddenly went nuts and he grabbed a taser. Uh, looks like he tried to fire at the cop. A cop tried to fire the taser. Finally, one of the cops shot him. Uh, but it looked like in the in the video, it looked like he was running away. So it looks like he was shot in the back. Uh, but he was resisting arrest. So I don't know. It'll unfold. A white girl then set fire to the Wendy's. I mean, somebody should have said to her, ma'am, it's a Wendy's, you know, somehow they burn the Wendy's to the ground. So Ted Cruz said they're canceling Gone with the Wind. They're also burning Atlanta. So, you know, this is really, this has really gotten to a point where I'm starting to hear, and and this saddens me, but but it's true. I'm starting to hear a lot of quiet racism. A lot of people saying I've had it. I'm, I'm done. I'm not buying into this narrative anymore. I'm starting to hear people tell me uh, they're going to vote for Trump no matter what. And I'm starting to wonder the, the news media is now such a, a lie factory. I mean, it's not, you know, we used to say it's biased. It's so precious. So one sided, but now it's just all lies. And well, we'll talk about that a little bit more. I mean, it's this two, uh, this two tier news, you know, so Blasey Ford, uh, Christine Blasey Ford is a big story uh, when she charges uh, Brett Kavanaugh, but uh, you know, Tara Reid doesn't exist. Hilariously, some some of this stuff is hilarious. They're touting these transgender rallies, these enormous rallies in Brooklyn. But then, if Trump is going to have a rally in Oklahoma, that's going to spread the Chinese flu. So it's it's literally you're seeing it's like a split screen. Here's here's the lying news about Democrats, and here is the lying news about Republicans, and there are two different forms of news. And so we, I have no idea what people are going to vote for. The polls all say that Biden is ahead. I don't believe it. And I'll read to you that Politico put out an article uh, saying the local people are starting to say, no, we we see a landslide for Trump coming. And who would blame it? Who would vote for Joe Biden at this point? I mean, who would vote for people who hate this country so much they think it should be burnt down? Who would vote for people who think that it's okay to take over part of the city? Like the mayor of Seattle who says, oh, yeah, it's like just it's like a block party when they take over a place and establish their own law, their own uh, rule of, of misrule. Who would vote for them? We will find out. All right. So let's I want to start with with talking a little bit about race, because it really does bother me. You know, again, I want to say this again. We don't have a race problem. People are not racist in the. I mean, obviously, everybody has racism in their heart, but people are not bothered by race. We have all kinds of people who become successful in this country we have Indians I think Asians make more money than any other racial group uh, we have black people we, we will take a black person and elevate him to the highest office in the land the presidency of the United States black entertainers have been our favorite entertainers at times you know it, it it's not it is not just white it's not white supremacy it's nothing like that. What we do have is we do have an animus toward a certain black underclass. So when Senator Scott gets stopped by the police and he says, it's unfair, I'm a senator, I'm wearing my senator pin, they still stop me. It is because the police are saying this man may be part of that underclass because he has the same color skin. And you can call that racism, but it's also the kind of prejudice. Thomas Sowell writes about this. It's the kind of prejudice that somebody uses wisely when he only has a short period of time to make a decision. And the consequences of being wrong are huge. Okay. So all this talk about systemic racism really isn't true. This black underclass did not exist before the 1960s. It didn't exist. This was not a thing. This thing was created by the great society. It was created by uh, welfare programs that basically paid people to have children out of wedlock. It was uh, ra- race. Uh, welfare programs that discourage people from working. It was created by feminist ideology that said fathers weren't necessary in the home. It was uh, created by sexual ideology that said marriage didn't matter. It helped destroy poor people. But it's not. But this is not about race. I mean, this is the thing. This is what bothers me. I, I understand people watching the looting. I understand people watching all this hammering black, 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 and people start to feel racist about it. But the reason we know it's not about race, okay? And I don't care what you you know you've read about IQ and all this stuff. This stuff I, it really bugs me because. It's not about race. We know it's not about race because other countries at other times have had an underclass based on a race like the Irish in England and like the Jews in Russia. And when that underclass, when that race was put in a different situation, like coming to America, suddenly they thrived. So we know it's not about genetics. We know it's not about the color of people's skin. It's about the policies. It's about the way people are treated. As I keep saying, it's racists who make race. And now the racists are on the left. There are racists on the right, But leftism and racism are the same thing. And so they're creating these terrible problems for our fellow citizens who are black. And we should we should care about that. We should say this has got to stop. It is also this civil rights law. And like I said, we're going to talk more about this crazy, crazy decision. But it is about this 1964 civil rights law that basically said you have to hire people. You cannot discriminate against people because of their race. But it really translated through lawsuits into you have to hire a certain number of people to not be accused of being racist. That's the problem. That's why all these corporations are virtue signaling. That's the thing they're worried about. See, what the law says is you can't discriminate. But what really happens is you go in and you say, well, your company has all white employees. And you say, well, I just hired the best people. No. I'm assuming you're racist. That's the way the law works. And how do I prove you're racist? Well, you know, when, uh, you know, that guy was killed in Minneapolis, Amazon, you didn't put up a uh, race, race related books that shows that you're racist. That can happen to you. You can lose money that way. You can lose money because one of your employees on his off hours, uh, got drunk and said something untoward about race, you know, a certain race. And then they say, well, look, not only do you not have enough, you know, 13 percent black employees, but this guy who works for you made this comment, uh, you know, while he was drunk at a party. And so that's evidence against you, too. And you lose money. And that's why people keep getting fired. That's why people get, keep getting canceled for things like saying all lives matter for, for crazy stuff like that. That makes people nuts you know, it makes people crazy because now we know we're all being lied to. We know that everybody's got to say certain things and uh, agree to certain things that aren't true. They just aren't true. You don't hate, you know, you don't hate people who are black. I mean, it doesn't, like I said, we had a black president who was elected twice. Many of the people who voted for him voted for Trump afterwards. So there's no correlation there. You know, it's just, it's just not what's happening. What is happening is you have a small number of people committing a lot of the violent crime and then blaming you for it and telling you you've got to pay them money so they won't be bad people. Right. That's that's crazy. I mean, Shelby Steele, who's the one person who's got the nads to basically go on and talk about this stuff. He's he's been on Fox, the only place where they'll talk to him. He's one of the most brilliant men in the country and one of the best writers, uh, too. Uh, Let's play the first um, cut of him talking about this problem. What's going wrong with black America? Why are they so dependent on white America, on on the government, that all they can think of is themselves as victims, which then, of course, deflates them as human beings, uh, undermines their their best energies, their best intentions, and keeps...
1: And so after 50, 60 years now, past the Civil Rights Bill,
0: we're worse off in many socioeconomic categories than we were 60 years ago, back then. I don't blame that and I understand why it happened and the kind of liberalism that came in and, and really took over
1: our fate, took it away from us. White America in many ways did that
0: and, and they needed it for their own reasons. White Americans live under this accusation that they're racist. They need to prove that they're not racist. <laughs> That's right. And so they made these liberal laws that make white people feel good about themselves and destroy the lives of black people. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. Why do white people feel racist? Here's a little montage from our friends uh, at Grabian. that's cut three. Well, if you think you're not racist, you could be right. But in this day and age, that's simply not good enough. What I did wrong in 2016 is I overestimated white people. The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, up to the right. Those white guys, those middle-aged, boring, nerdy-looking white guys. And white people have been probably woefully late to this conversation. But I'm not willing to let white voters off the hook. Do you believe that, that, that white folks actually care about ri- racial injustice?
1: It doesn't appear that we do. I mean, the status quo
0: of our society is racism, and it's comfortable for white people. Well, because we're white, we have, we have had privilege, even the poorest of us. Amazing. So who's gonna say who's gonna tell the truth to your white to your black neighbor? What white man is gonna tell the truth when he knows he can get canceled, when he knows he can get fired, when he knows he can get called racist, when he knows that the entire communication system of America will gang up on him and declare that he's racist. Who is gonna to turn to his black neighbor and say, My friend, as someone who loves you, as someone who is your fellow citizen, as someone who wants you to thrive, only you can do it only you are responsible for yourself. Marry the girl who has your children. Don't take drugs. Get an education. Make sure your kids get an education. Who's going to do it? Who is going to do it? Instead, Amazon puts up a book, you know, like, oh, the new Jim Crow. Screw you. Screw you, Amazon. You know, that's not the problem. That book is bad. It's a bad book. You know, it's, it is a book that contributes to the problem. So you're basically uh, showing your white uh, allyhood on the backs of black people. And it's, it's just wrong. you know. So Politico has this article. So what I'm s- saying now is that underneath all of this stuff, and this is what we're being, it's like a cloud of, of lies, something else may be going on. And I can't promise it. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying that some, it, it is completely plausible to believe something else is going on. Here's Politico. By most conventional indicators, Donald Trump is in danger of becoming a one-term president. The economy is a wreck. The coronavirus persists. His poll numbers have deteriorated. But throughout the Republican Party's vast organization in the states, the operational approach to Trump's re-election campaign is hardening around a fundamentally different view. Interviews with more than 50 state, district, and county Republican Party chairs depict a version of the electoral landscape that is no worse for Trump than six months ago and possibly even slightly better. According to this view, the virus is on its way out. The economy is coming back. Polls are unreliable. Joe Biden is too frail to last. And the media still doesn't get it. Andrew Hitt, the state party chairman in Wisconsin, said that during the height of public attention on the coronavirus in late March and early April, internal, internal polling suggested, quote, some sagging off where we want it to be. But now he said things are coming right back where we want them. That focus on the economy and on reopening and bringing America back is resonating with people at the center of the disconnect between Trump loyalists' assessment of the state of the race and the one based on public opinion polls is a distrust of polling itself. Republicans see an industry that maliciously oversamples Democrats or undersamples the white non-college educated voters who are most likely to support Trump and Trump voters also hang up on them, right? If you silence conservatives you can't hear them coming. That is the thing. If you silence conservatives, you can't hear them coming. If you silence voices, then the people will express their voices at the ballot box. It may not change anything because of this tangle of law, but they still will say what they have to say. All right. Let us talk about First Leaf, an excellent, excellent company because you do not want to end up without wine. I mean, let, let's let's face it. What is the worst thing, the worst possible thing that can happen to you, you know, while you're, it's not that you fall down and can't get up. It's not that there's an earthquake and the walls, fall. it's that you run out of wine because you can get through all that stuff with wine. Thanks to First Leaf, you can get personalized boxes of wine shipped right to your door. I did it. It is absolutely great. The wine is terrific, and it also gets you out of your rut. I tend to get in a rut with wine, drink the same thing. But what they do is you take a quick quiz to assess your wine drinking preferences. First Leaf sends six expertly picked bottles of wine based on your answers, and then They use your ratings and feedback on those bottles to refine future shipments so they get more and more, they get closer and closer to what you like. Just give each bottle a thumbs up or a thumbs down online and First Leaf will take care of the rest. Sign up today to get six bottles of wine. It is only $29.95, which is an amazing price. and You get free shipping for a year. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Andrew. That's six bottles of wine for only $29.95 and free shipping for an entire year at tryfirstleaf.com slash Andrew. Andrew. So this whole thing about, you know, Mark Hemingway uh, sent out tw- two tweets, right? Um, the writer, and he's, they're both from NBC News. There was a huge, huge black trans rally in Brooklyn. I mean, it was enormous. And people packed together, and nobody's wearing masks. And it's all, you know, it's one of these rallies, right? So NBC News tweets, as Americans come together at Black Lives Matters protests around the country, Activists have also put a lens on the lives of black trans people as Americans come together. Right. This is America. These are Americans coming together. All Americans are now coming together at Black Lives Matter protests. All America. There's Americans. All the- no Americans are not coming together at Black Lives Matter. An hour later, an hour later, they, p- they tweet President Trump plans to rally his supporters next Saturday for the first time since most of the county was shuttered by the coronavirus. But health experts are questioning that decision. <laughs> you know, I mean, the two questions that always come to mind when I see this is, A, how dumb do they think we are? And B, how dumb are we? I mean, are we buying this? Do we buy this? Do, do people even on the left? I mean, I, I really wonder about this. Do people on the left look at this and think like, oh, man, come on, just tell the truth and we'll win because our ideas are better? But Obviously. No one on the left is thinking that. The left, as I've said, have been Pavlovian-trained. They've been trained like Pavlov's dogs not to listen to an argument and whether it has something to tell them or whether it's true, but only to listen to whether it violates their already established left-wing precepts. So you say something like I just said, that maybe the 1964 civil rights law interferes with our freedoms and is bad law and say, so I'm offended. But they don't think, is that true? Does he have a point? Why is he saying that? They don't think it. They just get offended and then they try and silence you. If they're offended, then you did something wrong and they have to silence you. Just just amazing, amazing stuff. And yeah, ah, so so we're, we, we're being gaslit I mean every every news story is two news stories every news story is the story that they're telling us the real story it's really three news stories the story that they're telling us that makes Democrats look good the real story and the story that they're telling us that makes Republicans look bad. It's always the same thing they, there is this takeover you've heard of this the Chaz right in Seattle a bunch of thugs. St- Through bottles and rocks at the police until the mayor told the police to stand down. They took over several blocks of the city. The city just now looks like an abs. This it, this part of the city now looks like what you'd think it looks like. There's pornographic graffiti everywhere. There's d- filthy words scrawled everywhere. The place is a mess. It's just absolutely disgusting. Here is the description from the mayor of Seattle. Is cut two.
1: I know it will shock you that the president is perhaps not giving an accurate or truthful picture. Um, we've got four blocks in Seattle that you just saw pictures of that is more like a block party atmosphere. It's not an armed takeover. It's not a military junta. Um, we will we will make sure that we can restore this. But we have block parties and, and the like in this part of Seattle all the time. It's it's known for that. He is totally does not understand what is happening in America. And he is desperately trying to start the old fights and the old divisions that put him in power in the first place. How long do you think Seattle in
0: those few blocks looks like this?
1: I don't know. We could have the summer of love.
0: (gasps) (laughs) Here's the police chief, Carmen Best, uh, cut 23, describing the summer of love.
1: Our nine one one response times have tripled in the area. They've gone from just over five minutes to about eighteen minutes. Rapes, robberies, and all sorts of violent acts are, have been occurring in the area that we're not able to get to. So it is not a right for us not to be able to deploy our officers here.
0: So, so you know, it's funny uh, if, if by funny you mean horrific uh, and strange. But it's funny that um, you know we know what's what happens when civilization falls apart. We know what happens when the police are thrown out, when the law disappears, when the law is enforced uh, in an irregular matter, an arbitrary matter. Uh, You know, in fact, let's just play a little bit of some of the things that are actually going on uh, in this in this zone. Um, Give me one like, uh, you know, in um, cut 13. Here's a guy, a street preacher is in this Chaz zone. uh, And here's the reaction from the people. Don't please people. You do this. It sh- would be realistic. He would be displeasing. It would He would be disappointed. Yeah. What yeah. you are doing. Yeah. You would be condemned. You're messing up. You Your own Lord it, you would be ashamed it. of what you are you doing be. right now. That man nothing but to pass, bro. We're not gonna not let you know. Huh? We can't anymore. Dude. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. You can go. Home. This isn't about Jesus. This is about Jesus.
1: It's
0: it's a block party as long as you agree right it's a summer of love as long as they love you and when they don't love you they rip you to shreds and the thing the thing about it is is we know this happens we know what happens every single time law and order breaks down women get raped strong men dominate weaker men armed men dominate unarmed men that's what happens every single time throughout history. But, but we don't know the history anymore because people are pulling down all the statues because people are canceling all the movies because all the books are being told. We're being told to decolonize our bookshelves. Libraries are literally talking about throwing out their books. This is book burning. I mean, you know, the the thing about it is, is when you burn a book, what you really need to do is look in the mirror and say, I am a book burner. That is who I am, right? You are, you're a Nazi. If you're burning books, you're a Nazi. If you're, if you're yelling and screaming at people because they disagree with you, if you're attacking people physically because they disagree with you, doesn't matter whether you call yourself an anti-Nazi, you're still a Nazi. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter who, what education you have. That's what you are. We know this happens, though, because we read history, because we t- pay attention to these things. And we don't erase all our history. It's only when all that history gets erased that you actually have people like Chris Cuomo going on television in a tie and jacket saying, no, no, riots are good. Riots, no, riots bring change. They bring happy happy times. Happy times come from riots. You know, that's because he's an ignorant buffoon. You know, it's like, that's why, because they're only allowed to learn the history they're allowed to learn. If you don't let people speak. You can never find out when you're wrong. If you're trained, the reason they train you to be offended, the reason they train you to be offended and to listen for whether you're offended and to listen to whether you feel unsafe, as opposed to whether somebody is saying something that makes sense, is so they can have power over you to do what they want to do. That is why they do it. I always ask college kids this, you know, when they, when kids come to my speeches at colleges and they protest and they look angry, I say, why do you think they're telling you not to listen to me? What's the worst thing that can happen if you listen to me? You know, what is it? Seriously, what's the word? I'm unarmed. I'm armed. You know, I'm just here to talk. I like you. I'm here to be friendly. What's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is the people in power can lose some of their power by having you begin to disagree with them. That's the worst thing that can happen. So that's why you've got all this. And so now, so now on top of everything else, you've got the, the gaslighting about Defund the police. They're saying defund the police, defund the police. They're saying, well, we defund the police. we don't it does not defund when you say defund, what it means is move defunds to the police. That's what it means. It doesn't mean defund the police, right? So finally the New York Times on Knucklehead Row, they put up a um an op ed that's because you know they're only allowed to put leftist op eds up now, so they just go further and further left. They put up one by an organizer against criminalization, whatever that means. Her name is Mariami Kaba, and she says, Yes, we mean literally abolish the police. That's what we mean. And then she just goes ahead and says, We have to abolish the police. So here's the thing we're being so badly gaslighted, we're being so badly gaslighted that we can't trust anything we hear. How can we make decisions except looking ourselves to try and find the facts, which is more than most of us can do. We're not reporters. We haven't got a staff to go out and find it. We're being cut off from reality, essentially, and it makes people crazy. And that's why I'm starting to think, you know, these polls do show Trump suffering. I don't think Trump has handled some of this stuff very well. I think he needs to be out in front of it more. I think he needs to talk to the people more. However, however... I'm I'm beginning to think the guy is going to win like every state in the union. It It would not make me fall off my chair if he did. Again, I can't predict because I can't get at the facts either. I can't get at what the actual reality, the temper of the country is. But I know that I'm hearing a lot of things behind the scenes that are not what I'm hearing on TV. And the thing is, it's just enough, you know, like it's all like... George W. Bush, you know, destroyed New Orleans. Oh, that was untrue. But let's move on. Barack Obama was scandal free. Oh, that was untrue. But let's move on. The Russian collusion story. You know, Trump is, uh, you know, colluding with the Russians. That's untrue. But let's move on. At no point does the press ever stop and say, you know what? You know what? We've got to fix this. We've got to fix this. We no longer serve the public. We only serve our own ideology. Jenna Ellis went on Brian Stelter's show over the weekend, was trending on Twitter because she ripped him for this. But we want to talk to her about that. And we want to talk to her also about this new Supreme Court ruling, which is absolutely Guano crazy. But first, let us talk about something much more pleasant than that. Let us talk about rockauto.com. And you know we love talking about rockauto.com for the very reason that we get to say rockauto.com. It is just so much fun to say. Plus, Plus, if your car's not running, you don't have to get in your car and pretend it's running and pretend to drive to a car parts store and then pretend to buy the car parts. You can actually go on your computer and say, honey, I'm going on rockauto.com and then get your part right there. And it doesn't matter what kind of part you need, whether it's the part that makes your car run or just a part that makes your car look better. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers at prices you can afford. They pay attention to what the price should be, not to they can get for it rockauto.com catalog is unique and it's very easy to navigate so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck write clavin in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you and then write clavin in their how did you spell clavin box because they're just testing you they need to test you to know you are smart enough to use their service by (laughs) knowing that you can spell clavin it's k-l-a-b-a-n I really, I just make it look this easy. So um, some of you uh, have not wanted to subscribe to All Access um, membership, our top tier of membership. You want to feed your kids. You want to pay your rent. You know, what's, what's the matter with priorities, priorities? However... For you wusses who (laughs) won't let the kids go hungry for a couple of days so you can get the all-access membership, you can get Reader's Pass, which is much cheaper. For the first month, it's just a buck. It's 99 cents for the first uh, month. Then it's $3 a month. After that, you get the articles ad-free. You get Daily Wire Talent Writer exclusive articles. It is the lowest tier of uh, membership, so we do uh, make fun of you. We do ridicule you, but the ad-free site is worth it. And uh, when you can finally, you know, when your kids are fed then you can get the all access membership. All right, we got Jenna Ellis coming right up to talk to us about the Supreme Court and her fight with Brian Stelter. Jenna Ellis was with us. She's on the run from the law after having slaughtered Brian Stelter in front of uh, 17 viewers, I think, is CNN's audience. Uh, it was a it was a <laughs> She is the top legal advisor from the Trump campaign and a friend of this program. We're so proud of her. She's got from just coming on this show. She has become the secret uh, government of the United States. Jenna, it's great to see you. How are you?
1: Great to see you too, Drew. So, um, you know, I do have clean hands. I just want to show people, and I have new nails because here things are actually opening, and so I got my nails done. And, um, you know, Brian did chip one of them yesterday, but it's okay.
0: <laughs> it's only it's only out of my deep respect for you that I didn't go on Twitter and call it a cat fight. But <laughs> it, we're, we're gonna,
1: we're there were two girls in that. the fight. Let's be honest.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> um, what a terrible thing! But don't don't encourage me, Jennifer. Crying out loud. Uh, let's talk first about the Supreme Court. We're going to put the state of the nation before our own entertainment. Uh, Let's talk first about the Supreme Court. Now, this this law, this 1964 law, Goldwater, Barry Goldwater really got hit. He was a a very big pro-civil rights guy, Barry Goldwater, but he wouldn't vote for this law, this 1964 Civil Rights Act, because he said it got in the way of the Constitution, the freedom of association. And it does seem like it's just blowing up. So explain to us what this decision was today.
1: Yeah, so this decision uh, was really disappointing, um, I think, to everyone who understands what the judicial branch uh, is actually for within the Constitution. And the fundamental principle in Article 1, Section 1, that says that all legislative authority is given to whom? Congress. That means that Judges cannot legislate from the bench. And so what happened today is that instead of having this conversation about Title VII and saying, do we want to add more categories of protected classes within the context of employers and discrimination, that is a policy conversation. That is something that needs to happen in Congress. And what happened today is that six of the Supreme Court judges substituted their opinion and they wrote in 2020, to uh, to shape and and to redefine what the legislature precisely said in terms of the definition of sex in 1964. That has always meant the biological difference between male and female. Now, if we want to add other categories of protected classes like sexual orientation and gender identity, then we can, but that needs to happen in Congress and Congress alone. It is not for the court to manipulate this definition of sex to include uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. So it's shocking to me, and I say that actually tongue in cheek, Drew, because it's shocking that uh, Chief Justice Roberts, who had such a wonderful position on the constitutional accuracy in the Obergefell decision that said, this is a state issue. We wanna make sure we stay within the margin of the constitution. Whatever you may believe about gay marriage, that is not something the court can decide uh, here. This is a policy consideration. Yet he signs on to this decision. So, which is it, Justice Roberts? Where do you want to actually put your stake uh, in terms of uh, of what the future of the court is going to be? So, this was a bad decision just from a constitutional standpoint, regardless of where you stand on whether or not uh, Soji language or sexual orientation, gender identity should be a protected class.
0: So, so Gorsuch, who wrote he wrote the decision, and he's supposed to be our great textualist. If, if I get his argument right, let let, see, let me see if this is his argument, right? J- Jenna goes to work in a dress and Andrew goes to work in a dress. If Andrew gets fired, he is then essentially being penalized for his sex. That's, is that his argument? I and mean, his argument is when we say no discrimination according to sex, that means no discrimination according to sex. So in other words, if, if, if you are married to a man and I am married to a man and you penalize me, it's only because I happen to be male. Is that, am I getting that, it's it's a wild (laughs) argument, but.
1: It, it's a wild argument because it's talking about um, sexual preferences and sexual activity rather than actually just the basis of biological sex. And so that's the problem with this is that it's so expansive and so broad that let's say that, you know, you go to work and you um, you know that you know, you're married to a man and there are all other kinds of reasons why your employer says, you know what, you're not really a great employee. Well, now you can say, well, but on the basis of my sex, you know, that's, that's sexual discrimination. And what, what the purpose and the intent of the 1964 law and why I think that your analysis at the very beginning was correct in terms of this opening a can of worms is that there are, the whole purpose was to make sure that immutable characteristics, um, your, your race your sex you know your biological sex that you weren't discriminated on that basis it was supposed to protect women frankly from being discriminated in the workplace but now when this uh, expansive definition is written into the law and it's presumed i mean i have gone over this argument drew and it's it is wild and it is something that doesn't make rational sense and it is catering to the current culture uh, rather than saying we are staying within the margins of the Constitution, and you can have that fight in Congress,
0: it's a, it's very disappointing from Gorsuch. I mean, it's not really you know I don't know where he's getting this from. It's a very uh, it's not a textualist um, uh, argument, and that's what he was famous for. Let us let's move on for a minute to this Brian Stelter thing because it's not just and a- amusing to watch you rip his head off, which it is amusing, but it but it's also you went on there to talk about. The polls. And we were talking before, I was talking before about the fact that some of the state people in the GOP are saying they think Trump is going to win this election big because the polls are completely wrong. Let me just play. Do we have the capability to just play a little cut of this uh, for a minute?
1: You are peddlers. You understand of false that, like someday you're going to regret you have this, right? Three and a half years. Someday you're
0: going to regret you, that, this when your kids and your grandkids no, look back at this time truth. and oh, like you use slurs and smears like fake news to hurt news outlets. No, but the debate, Brian is Jenna, when you can't even come on. I think tax in 10 or 20 attorney. years, no, if we just sit down and talk about really this, you're going to recognize how damaging it was. How damaging it was to use terms like fake news to attack journalists who were trying to do their jobs. In
1: 15 or 20 years. You're not trying to do your job. You're not a journalist, Brian. You're an activist. That's the problem. You have an agenda and your agenda is anti-Trump.
0: Now, I know for a fact that he had to go to bed and have a good cry after this. This is like, you know, he really he really was overmatched and you wouldn't let him. I I like they attacked you online uh, for interrupting him, but you were actually interrupting him, interrupting you. You were trying to tell him something that he wouldn't. (laughs) You were trying to tell him something that he wouldn't listen to, which was that they were actually it it was two things. First, it was that in the in the basis of in the middle of an opinion piece, they had said something that was factually false. That was your argument to begin with. Is that right?
1: Yeah well so what was so fascinating about this interview and one of the things that hasn't been highlighted as much is just you know the the back and forth of the attacks in the media but the thing that i found the most shocking about this interview is that when i asked him just generally do you agree that there that the media should never publish factually false statements he wouldn't agree and i mean and i got yeah. him to say he does understand the difference between an opinion statement and a fact statement So he did he did say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm intelligent enough to know the difference on that. But then he refused to say that. And why? Because he would have conceded CNN's position in our lawsuit in the campaign. I mean, he's the defendant. I'm the plaintiff talking to the defendant on a live interview was really what happened, which was incredible to me. Uh, But he refused to actually agree. And, And this is where he's just not an intelligent person, because what he should have said. Is well, of course, we would never publish factually false statements, knowingly false statements, but we didn't and and try to rebut that. But he knows that that's actually what happened. And he couldn't concede that ground and he couldn't say that in general the fake news media should never publish factually false statements. I mean, isn't that crazy you're, for a journalist to not be willing to admit that?
0: So uh, well, you you're, you're called suing is suing him. You're suing him because in a in a an uh, opinion piece, what was what was embedded in the piece? What did they say that was factually false in the piece?
1: So we're suing CNN. Um, you know, not Brian specifically, but right. uh, you know, but of course he <laughs> he's just to, to clarify that for everyone watching. But um, but this was an opinion piece that uh, said that the campaign was going to leave open options to again collude with Russia. To overturn the 2020 election. And so that was a false statement that then the author continued to opine on that factually false statement. And so the law does not protect a factually false statement simply because it's embedded in an opinion piece.
0: Now, the other thing is we've been hearing and at this point, I I really don't know what to believe. We've been hearing that the Trump campaign's internal polls are not making the president happy. But at the same time, CNN's polls are real outliers. And so you went after him for that. uh, And he was kind of defending a poll that was I, I mean, it's not that they don't have the right to put out the poll, but the poll was absurd.
1: Well, you know, again, they can put out polls, but they have to be legitimate and they have to um, actually be meaningful. But we've seen, again, in 2016 and all of these polls, all that they're trying to do is say look we've manipulated the the conclusion and all we're going to do is put out the conclusion that's the headline and so their headline was trump is 14 points behind biden nationally which is completely ridiculous of course it's an outlier and that's not at all what our internal data is showing but what they did was they pulled a little over a thousand of uh, adults, not likely voters, not even registered voters. And that's not the industry standard for polling. And so what they're trying to do then, um, and and then also the percentage of self-identified Republicans was only 25 percent in that poll. So they're trying Hmm. to uh, I mean, it would be like me going to a specific at a known Democrat neighborhood. And saying this, then I, I know that I'm polling 100% Democrats and I'm choosing to release that poll saying in my headline, this is the opinion of the whole country. It's skewed and it's false. And so what the campaign did was simply ask for a correction and a retraction of that poll because it was based on junk science. It's not a legitimate poll. And so, um, but of course, you know, Brian doesn't want all of that to be aired on CNN. He just wants to attack me. So, I mean, it was seconds seconds into my response that he starts interrupting me. And then the rest of the like 15 minute interview was just this back and forth where he wouldn't even let me get a word in edgewise. But um, but thankfully, at least a few of the media outlets, you know, could cut away from from his uh, banter and at least hear what I was saying. (laughs) Um,
0: I'm out of time, but I just want to ask you a real quick response. Do you think Brian Stelter knows that his his cable station, CNN, is just an activist left-wing station do you think he knows how unfair it is Just your opinion that's
1: a great question um, you know that's a great question and I I honestly I mean I can't get into the head of Brian and that would be of course. Real, I mean I don't want like, to uh, not great place to be yeah. right but from what I've seen these media networks thrive solely on their ratings and I don't think he cares. That's the problem is I don't think he cares. I think he is all about, wow, I was trending on Twitter yesterday and this is so great. Um, And he doesn't realize the damage or he doesn't care about the damage that he's inflicting upon journalism, upon uh, the the nation. When you as the media are not doing your job, you're not reporting fact and truth so that we can at least come together and have a reasoned conversation. That's what's undermining. America. And that's why the president calls out fake news, because we all at least should be able to agree on fact. And then we can debate the policy around that fact. But I just don't think he cares.
0: I I have to say, I think it's the biggest problem in the country. Jenna, it's always great to see you. We will talk again soon. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks. Sounds good, Drew.
0: Uh, all right. We got to stop there, but we will be back again tomorrow. It really is an amazing situation when we're dealing with a news media that actually is just producing dishonesty as a product. Uh, and it's just going, it's driving everybody a little crazy, but we will try and keep it sane and straight here as long as we can, as long as we can, until they bring the big hook on and pull us off the air. Until then, this is The Andrew Clavin Show, and I'm Andrew Clavin. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Siavitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.